stays in frame because he's the more popular of the duo. But... So I played Star Wars Squadrons last week because it was free on PlayStation. And I just played the single-player game because I like the uh, starscapes and space and, and shooting things. And I played it on really easy because I, I didn't want a challenge. I don't find spaceship games or airplane like dogfight games that much fun because... You spend a lot of time chasing little arrows that are off screen. So like the arrow goes this way and you have to follow it until you get an airplane into sight. And there's a little dot in the distance. You shoot a missile and then it misses. And that seems to be my entire experience of the whole thing. Or you're getting hit and you have no idea where it's coming from. I'm not disparaging those games. I think they're great. I actually like playing them. I just play them on super easy so I can enjoy primarily the visuals and just flying around and doing, doing silly stuff like that. Star Wars Squadrons, though, uh, was released post-Disney purchase. And Disney, one of the things they said is, like, everything that came before Disney's purchase is essentially not canon. And everything that comes from now on is going to be canon. So everything I was seeing in this game was essentially part of the Star Wars universe, which is fine. I was, you know, uh, I didn't expect any deep lore. Uh, you, You play as a rebel pilot of the New Republic, and you play as an Imperial pilot, perhaps so it's split fairly evenly between half the game. In some of the later missions, you play as an Imperial pilot, and one of the, they don't really do cutscenes, but you have opportunities in between missions to talk to the, the other pilots in your squad. So I believe the Imperials are the Titan Squadron. It's a great name. I don't remember the Anvil Squadron is the one you're not in. Oh, whatever. Anvil Squadron was a good name too. I like that. There is a part where you talk to two other Imperial pilots. And one never takes his helmet off because he's been injured multiple times. And his backstory is he's, he's talked about how many times he's been hurt. And the other one's an older guy. And he's talking about how he's tired and doesn't really want to fight the war anymore, but he does it because of a sense of obligation. So these are, these are two fairly noble characters. And the guy who did, never takes his helmet off goes like, like hey, homie. I, they, I don't remember their names or anything. I was, it was Gray. This is clearly showed how much of an impact because I remember the guy's name, Gray, which is, I guess since his, he's old. But when you're young, it's foreshadowing. I don't know, whatever. Anyways, his name's Gray. He goes, Gray, what are you going to do when the war's over? And he talks about retiring. He's like, oh, I'm going to retire. I think I'm going to find a little place uh, by the water and, and settle down with my husband. Now, Gray uh, is male. So this was a marriage, since it's his husband. It is therefore a same-sex marriage. Now, before I get on to this, I am pro-same-sex marriage. And not for the reasons you might think. I'm a very liberal person from a very liberal country. So I'm a, I'm a liberal Canadian, which I think is about as liberal as humans get. Uh, <clears throat> I believe in same-sex marriage because I don't think marriage is about love. I think marriage is about 
uh, taxation and contractual obligations and things like that. And that has nothing to do with love or gender. So it's a very antiseptic way of looking at it that it's not actually about relationships. Because you can be with someone, uh, you can be whoever you want, you don't have to get married. Why do you marry someone? It's actually uh, to bind your lives together in a legal sense. It's about taxation, it's about your income, it's about the benefits, it's about all those other things. And I think if you're willing to make that choice, again, it has nothing to do with gender, it has nothing to do with love, it's, it's all legal. And so since law does not care if you're a man or a woman or anything in between, therefore same-sex marriage is, is, is very obvious. Of course it's okay. And that's actually, I, I think, a way people should look at it more because taking the emotion out of it means you are left with only legal precedents and legal precedents don't tend to care about your gender identity. They'll just be like, no, two people who like bind themselves together in a legal contract, they are now uh, partners and therefore married. That's it. There's no definition of husband or wife legally. I, is, I actually never checked. That actually might be. Some countries it might actually have that. I'm about to burp. My image of the Empire in Star Wars is that they are the representative of evil. And this moment where the man was not hesitant to say to another Imperial soldier, a pilot, that he was married to another man, therefore it was given the subtext that it was an acceptable thing to be married to another man in the Empire. Now the Empire, if you look at the movies and stuff, stormtroopers and the soldiers and the pilots, they're all humans. I don't know if they're humans. They're probably from different planets, but they're all humanoid. And the Empire has very much a human-first attitude. So other species are seen as less than human. Other species are seen as lower and that kind of base philosophy, very sort of, uh, it falls into sort of the realm of dictatorships where you are classifying people. But if you are the type of person who classifies people, you're going to classify same-sex marriage in a similar way. And that, so it really, it really stuck out to me and I was shocked. If this had happened on the rebel side, I don't think I would have even like given it any thought. I would have been like, of course. The rebels are all for equality. I bet the rebels believe in interspecies marriage as being acceptable. And I can see why. Like, uh, you don't, nothing has to connect together for you to love each other. They would have a different definition of what love is. And it's acceptable for anyone to love anyone. That's kind of one of the messages of the rebellion. It's the seven stars burning as one. Which means like, you know, you can come from seven different universes, seven different galaxies, and you can come together as one people. Uh, people being a broader term than just human. The Empire doesn't see it that way. They would classify everything. Uh, everything would have ranks and orders. And so this one drop of liberalism in the Empire total was very disturbing to me. Now, I brought this to some of my friends. My friends are younger. And maybe they were just trying to play it off. Or maybe they didn't understand what the... They'd never really taken on the full message of the Empire. I'm wearing the t-shirt right now, by the way. I wore it for just today for this episode. 
they were like, well, yeah, of course, because it's, you know, this, this futuristic world. And I was like, but no, don't you understand? It's a dictatorship. It is oppressive. This is not the kind of thing that they would find acceptable. Like, well, maybe this one thing. And they were just trying to make excuses, but they had no foundation to make excuses on. And that, that bothered me more. That set me off because uh, if there's anything I get passionate about, it's, it's fictional rules. The whole C. McBee, sort of 50% of the content is me getting like worked up over stupid things that have happened in fiction that don't make any sense. Because for me, a really good story is something where everything makes sense. It doesn't matter how fantastical it is, but the rules that govern those things are very important. And so the, the thing like the Empire, the rules are all there is. That is all they care about. So I went and I tried to find some imperial civic laws to see if same-sex marriage was acceptable, if there was any definition, and nothing came up. And, of course, in the video game, it's not like there's any sort of research that you can go and find behind it. But it bothered me, so I thought, okay, well, I could look at some of the other laws and rules within, within the empire, and that will give me a sense of maybe I have gotten an incorrect sense of the nature of the empire. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, Darth Vader just wanted to to bring order to the world. But again, order requires definition. So what if Darth Vader thinks marriage is between a man and a woman? I was going to go as Adam and Eve, not not Adam and Steve, but try to think of some some Star Wars names, but I can't do it fast enough. In the future, this is the problem. I have to make this decision. This is now an aside. This would be like a footnote to the podcast, which is something I should figure out how to do. I could subtitle footnotes. I now actually forget what I was talking about. <laughs> ah, bring order to the word, order to the universe. Definition, yeah. Oh, Adam and Steve, yeah. If I script, so, no, okay, there's my footnote. If I script this, I could think about some jokes and put them in in advance. But if I don't script it, I can do it like this, where it's sort of more natural and free-flowing. And I might actually end up in a different place than when I started. There have been a couple of episodes of Velasa podcast where I started on a theory. And by the end of the podcast, I actually disagreed with my initial premise, which is a more interesting thing conceptually, but it might lead to lower level content quality-wise overall. That's the, that's the issue I grapple with. Sometimes I think I should sit down and think about this more. Uh, I did do research. But I didn't plan out jokes or things I could say. But it's not Adam and Eve. It's Rodian and the Rodeo. I don't know. One of the phrases from Star Wars is never trust a Rodian. Rodians are those green people. So uh, Greedo was a Rodian. And he was the one who who went to shoot Han Solo and got shot first. And uh, the Emperor, his personal assistant in one of the movies was a Rodian. I don't know why I noticed that, but that phrase, because it was essentially just super racist, really stuck. Never trust a Rodian. And that's what I mean. That's sort of an empire ideology. It's racism. Okay, but I thought what I'll do is look through some imperial civic code and rules and laws and stuff. And then it should give me an overall picture of maybe I have misinterpreted the nature of the empire, which I guarantee I have not. Because I grew up with this and I'm more in tune with this than probably any other aspect of any fiction in the world. I'm not even that deep into Star Wars and I just inherently know about it. Like if you talk about a thing, I could probably tell you from from my feelings what is correct and I would put money on that being correct. The Bill, 1979. 
Uh, that is actually when the first movie came out, so I was wondering if that was on purpose or not. This is essentially dealing with droid suffrage. So droids in the Star Wars universe, if you notice, tend to be ignored. They are treated as property. Uh, and that is not accidental. Like People will literally just walk away, forget them, and then be like, hey, they show up and they're like, hey, it's great, you're back. In the newer movies, droids are treated with more respect. Re- one of Rey's kind of personality points is that she treats droids with the same sympathy she treats all other things. But in the old movies, they used to like walk away from C-3PO, and it was fairly clear that if he never showed up again, they'd be like, oh, whatever happened to that thing we had? Uh, like, I dropped my iPhone. Actually, I think you would care more about your iPhone than they did about C-3PO. Um, so it is basically a bill that was introduced to allow droids... I assume, of a certain capacity to vote. And certain capacity is important because this comes up later. Uh, I'm going to actually read that one next. And it was uh, by the Empire turned down. So droids were not given the vote. So suffrage for droids in the Star Wars universe failed. Um, And I would actually bet species from the Outer Rim, despite being sentient, are also not allowed to vote. I'm sure there's a certain amount of like economic power that you would have to wield before you would be allowed to vote within the empire. And I think even then, empire votes are probably more just a show because the conclusion is already foregone. Again, this is a dictatorship. It is not a, 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 pub, a republic of any sort. It's not a democracy of any sort. And that is something that people kind of forget. There are, there are like imperial quorums and whatnot, but that doesn't actually mean you have any power within that space. I only talk about certain capacity because of BOSS code, B-O-S-S. And BOSS stands for the Bureau of Ships and Services. So this is uh, the rules that govern spaceships and uh, traveling throughout space. And I realized really quickly, okay, this requires a droid because... The boss code is too complex for organic minds to fully conceive of. And you need droids to sort of go through all the rules and factors before a decision can be made. So it shows that droids of a certain level are actually more competent and capable than organic minds. In this case, it would be humans because it's within the empire. I realized really quickly that this is actually this is space maritime law. Maritime law being something of a, a mystery for a normal person because you need to have it explained to you. There's only a few things of maritime law that I know and remember, and they're actually really good. The bigger ship has right of way, um, and I believe it's you always turn left. Do not you know quote me on that. You, every ship has to turn the same direction. You all turn, let's say left. Oh, I know I'm getting that wrong. I should look it up before I say this. But then if two ships always turn, that means they're always turning away from each other. Uh, the bigger ship has the right of way. So if you're on a smaller boat, it, has, it can turn faster. Uh, so you have to get out of the way of the bigger boat. I thought that was a pretty sensible law. A lot of them are very sensible. There's floatsome and jetsome, and then two more, which I don't remember the words for, which I have to look up every time, but because it doesn't apply. Uh, floatsome is stuff from a sunken ship that's floating in the water. There's four kinds of stuff that comes off a boat. It's uh, stuff from a sunken ship that floats, stuff from a sunken ship that sinks, stuff that was thrown overboard that floats, and stuff that was thrown overboard that sinks. So you can look those up online if you want. If you want, I only remember floatsum and jetsum, which are the two that float. Flotsam is my my ship is sunk and that is floating around in the water. You can pick that up. That's yours. That's scavengeable. 
If, because I wanted to escape from pirates, I dumped my stuff and it was floating in the water, you actually have to return that to me. That is not free for salvage. And then it's the same for the ones that sink. If it was thrown overboard on purpose, it's still mine. If it was thrown overboard, or if it went in the water because my ship sunk, well, then you can salvage it. That's, that, those are the only things I remember from maritime law. Uh, and I know that semaphore is a thing, but I don't know what it is. We looked up the semaphore for the Tommy Hilfiger uh, signal to see if it meant anything. I don't remember if it does. From here on, though, it gets pretty dark. Uh, demonstrating that the, the, the level of dictator they've gone for for the empire is about as dark as it gets, which again makes it incompatible with the concept of the liberal nature of same-sex marriage. Uh, Imperial Decree A-SL-4557-607.232. This is the legalization of slavery if you've committed a crime. So basically, if you are arrested by the empire, and we know that a lot of the things that the empire can arrest you for, they just make up on the spot. If you are arrested by the empire, you can be entered into slavery. And so they are pro-slavery. This is applied generally to the Outer Rim people. So if you live within sort of the core cluster of the main planets, this is unlikely to happen. Even if you get arrested, you're probably not going to be forced into slavery, although it is still very possible. But the Outer Rim, where there's a lot more aliens, non-humanoids, what happens is you get arrested. Maybe it's a trumped up charge. doesn't matter. You get arrested. You get forced into slavery for the rest of your life until you die. So it's not only capital punishment for any crime that they come up with. You also have to do labor until you die beforehand, which is pretty awful. There is LQ-1010-DNG. Oh, this I actually quite like this one. This was another drop of... Not quite liberalism, but it gets it gets closer to it. So this was the closest I could find to a redeeming quality within the, the empire. This is the permit. So it's not a decree or a law. It's a the permit number, LQ-1010-DNG. The permit to carry executioner droids on your ship. Now, that in itself isn't a big surprise. If you're going to carry executioner droids, you have to have a permit. So if the Empire stops your ship and say, let's see what's on your ship, you go, well, I got some executioner droids in the back. And then they go, well, do you have a permit for those? You go, oh yeah, I got my LQ-1010 right here. And they go, oh, well, you need the LQ-1010 DNG. And you're like, the DNG? I have the DNG in triplicate, you son of a bitch. Um, The bit I actually enjoyed was that to get the LQ-1010-DNG, you actually need a background check. So in the Star Wars universe within the Empire, they actually have sensible execution droid laws. They don't have significant laws about actually carrying guns, but execution droids, you have to go through background checks. And I assume there's actually a waiting period before you can pick them up. So I do like that they've taken like sensible gun laws and applied them not to guns or blasters as they would be called. They applied them to execution droids which would be sort of the gun of the star wars universe because everything's sort of uh taken up a notch imperial statute 342-x0088 this makes defacing any imperial property a capital offense oh dave just moved it hearing that he was so offended basically it's saying vandalism graffiti anything you do to imperial property i bet leaning on an imperial wall 
is a capital offense. So a stormtrooper come along, see you, uh, you bump into the wall and you scratch it. Uh, they can shoot you dead right there. Statute 759.8 has a similar thing for illegal gambling. Now, the Empire decides what illegal gambling is. So within certain systems and certain areas, gambling is legalized, I assume, if you pay your taxes to the Empire. So as long as the Empire gets a little taste, then gambling's okay. But if they don't, it's now a capital offense and they can kill you where you stand. And again, remember, this is all going to the nature of the laws and rules within the Empire and how strict and awful they are and why, in my mind, it was so inconceivable that same-sex marriage would be acceptable within the empire. Edict 2.33b. It is illegal to play the anthem of the Republic. Oh, this was just a cute one. Uh, It turns out that seven-year-old Princess Leia went to like a ladies' conference and messed with the PA and played the anthem. The response by the empire was to make that illegal. Playing that song is illegal. And again, that's not something that sort of a liberal democratic institution does. That is not a group of people who care for the lives of their people. They're like, if you play this song that offends the empire, it's illegal. And I assume, therefore, uh, defacing imperial property because you mess with the PA, and therefore a capital offense. They can kill you where you stand. Those were all the rules that I could find uh, that kind of demonstrated the nature of what I'm talking about. And it, I don't know if that's enough for people to believe me because I think people are just too accepting. Uh, I think this was a mistake, that they shouldn't have written this in because it doesn't mesh with the nature of the empire. But I found what the last one. The last one is ridiculous. But weirdly explains why Darth Vader chose... Uh, bounty hunters instead of sending Imperial assassins after Han Solo. Um, It's section 2127 of the Imperial Penal Code. And these are the rules governing Imperial assassination. Imperial assassins have to notify the targets before they are assassinated. So if I'm going to assassinate you, I have to let you know that I'm coming. Second, I have to provide the victim with a weapon. So I, come, I break into, let's say, your house, and I'm about to kill you. I have to go, hey, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm going to kill you. But you, within the rules or rights as a, as a citizen of the empire, have a right to defend yourself. So I, as the assassin, have to provide you with a weapon. Now, I might have a blaster, and I could give you a fork. Technically, I've given you a weapon with which to defend yourself. But it doesn't stop there. I have to then wait three minutes before I assassinate you because I have to give you the opportunity to escape. So those are, again, sort of the in-depth, painful rules that the Empire imposes upon itself when it's talking about assassinating people that shows just how ridiculously strict it is and short-sighted and narrow-viewed when it gets into sort of the legal aspects of anything that it is not a forgiving, open-minded entity, the legal system within the empire. So my conclusion is that you should now believe that 
Star Wars Squadrons is not a bad game because it's about spaceships and it's really hard to follow the little arrows and find the thing you're supposed to be shooting at. It's a bad game because it broke one of the basic rules and tenets of displaying, uh, demonstrating the inherently evil nature of the Empire by giving this one forgiving aspect so that now I maybe this this actually might be sort of like uh, not espionage it might be like you know when you try to win hearts and minds you have this one thing you can look to that and go oh well maybe the Empire isn't so bad and then that opens the door to bring you on over to the dark side and that's a scary thought. And again, the kids I was talking to, these other people I was talking to and explaining this to, and they didn't seem to be bothered about it at all. They're saying, well, maybe the empire is not as bad as you think it is. Well, I think that's the point. Now you believe that. You are not, you are not going to choose sides. You are not going to choose the right side. You're not going to choose the side that would give you actual freedoms in life. You're going to choose the rules and stricture of the defined life of the empire because it's easier and you're a sheep. I should just finish there. <laughs> just really angry at the viewer or listener for, for actually having sat through 25 minutes of this. Now, I just, I think, I actually think it was a mistake uh, in the writing, like accidental. It's not that they threw it in, it's they threw it in the wrong side because I felt the desire to fight amongst these pilots as being a positive thing. Uh, they were soldiers, and soldiers have a certain sort of base nobility to them. And they believed in their fight. Throwing in this weird liberalism really threw me off and confused me. And it confused me because it didn't belong there. It didn't make sense in that moment. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Podcast or streaming on twitch.tv slash chunkmcbeefjest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com slash velocipodcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the Velocipodcast family. See McBee, Ninja News Japan and Daily Affirmations Weekly. Remember, it's propaganda. The Empire is trying to trick you into believing that it is where safety and security flourishes, but they kill people for graffiti, the will never give droids the right to vote, but at least they have sensible executioner droid laws. That I can get behind.